Welcome to Down East Diversity, a main podcast that seeks to collect, document, and tell stories of people and culture in Maine. This program is brought in conjunction with Healthy Acadia, an organization whose mission is to empower people and organizations as we build healthy communities together. Welcome to today's episode entitled Meet the Kumars. I'm Aline Sistone, your host, and so pleased that you are able to join us today. Our guests are Dr. Vive Kumar and his lovely wife, Neha Kumar. Both are also dear friends and neighbors right here on Mount Desert Island. Dr. Kumar is a member of the faculty at the Jackson Lab. He studies the genetics of addiction. His work uses unbiased genetic approaches to discover new genes and pathways that regulate addiction. Dr. Kumar is also interested in communicating science to the lay public and has been an advocate for the better long-term treatment of addiction, much like other chronic illnesses. Niha is a senior financial analyst with the Jackson Lab as well, and together they are parents of Siroi Kumar, a previous guest on our show, whose podcast is also available on our website at downeastdiversity.com. Vivek and Niha, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to see both of you. It's always inspiring talking to you. So thank you so much for making the time to do that today. For the benefit of our listeners and those who may not know you, if you could please tell us a little bit more about your background and maybe we'll start with you, Niha. Thank you for having us, Aline. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to share. My name is Neha Kumar. I live in Bar Harbor. I work as a financial analyst at the Jackson Laboratory. I have been in the U.S. for 20 years. I have lived um, several states across the country. I was born in India. I was raised there and I moved to the U.S. when I was 24 years old. This has been a very interesting journey. I feel like I have a foot in both the boats. Sometimes I feel out of place in both the boats. (laughs) So, um, uh, so yes, that's about me. Thank you, Neha. And we'll come back to that feeling of feeling out of place in a minute. But back to you, uh, Vivek, a little bit about your background, please. Sure. My name is uh, Vivek Kumar. I am a faculty here at the Jackson Laboratory, and I'm a, I'm a scientist. I run a lab uh, doing genetic and genomic analysis of addiction and modeling that. My background is pretty diverse also. I came to the U.S. when I was uh, 9, 10, around that age. I started fifth grade in the U.S., and I grew up in Memphis. And, you know, since then, uh, I've been, you know, all over uh, California, Chicago, Illinois, uh, Texas, uh, and now Maine. So I feel like I pretty much covered the whole country, maybe just not Florida (laughs) and Seattle or Washington uh, state area, but uh, pretty much I've been all over. So that's my background. Absolutely. And it sounds like you have quite a healthy exposure to the culture in the U.S. in terms of uh, where you've lived and the work that you've done. For those who might not know, Viveka Nia are parents to Siroi Kumar, who we featured in our second episode uh, from the Mouth of Babes Part 1. That's still airing and you can still listen in on our website, downistdiversity.com and all the other platforms we have available listed there. Speaking of Siroi, I know that our families have had the privilege of knowing each other. And I remember being so excited 
when we first met, partly because I felt like I had found my tribe. <laughs> and I had also found people who kind of understood this sense of being in the middle and needing to kind of navigate two worlds while adding value in the world that they existed in. You mentioned that a little bit in your intro, Niha. So why don't we speak a little bit about that? Because that's something that a lot of people who grew up, especially in one culture and live in another, have to either contend with or deal with. So I want to give you a chance to kind of speak to that a little bit. I mean, it was a cultural shock when I moved here. So I, I feel like Eastern cultures are a little bit different, right? It's, it's not as formal, it's more community centric, you know, it's about the family, it's about your community, it's not so much about you. And if, if you do what you're supposed to do in, in your little one piece as part of the bigger puzzle, everything falls in place and you are looked after, you are taken care of. Whereas I feel in the US or in the Western side, everybody just looks out for themselves. Like it's about me, I have to take care of myself. Uh, there is community, there's family, but I feel the dynamics are very different. So we are raising a daughter here, right? In, in this Western culture and, and she's a teenager. So we some have sometimes those moments and, you know, Vivek will always tell me, just remember when you were a teenager. And I'm like, yeah, I remember that. Okay. <laughs> and that's why I'm telling her. So the, the difference is in how we look at things. In where I grew up, we learned to look at things in long-term, think of things in long-term, not necessarily like, what am I going to be when I grow up? But your family teaches you to respect your elders, to take care of the elders, listen to what your parents are saying. We do a little bit too much of it, I feel personally, but I think it's important because if we don't do that, we lose out on the value we gain from those experiences that the previous generations have. We should have our own experiences, but we can also learn from them because not everything is good, but there are some things that they have done well and that they can share with us. And that's the difference I feel here in the US, like people want to do everything on their own for themselves, experiences or physical things. And that sense of community, that sense of belonging, that sense of purpose gets lost somewhere in there. And people don't learn to look at the bigger picture or think of the long term. Absolutely. And for you, Vivek, how has been your journey of discovery been? And you can address that from a personal point of view or from you know, a professional point of view of both. Coming to the United States at the age of nine, I struggle with what's my identity. And I really feel like I don't belong to certainly the, the Indian community and the Indian culture is evolved and is very different than, than what I experienced. And I certainly don't fully fit into the American culture. And I think that's something all immigrants struggle with. And even if you come as a fully formed adult, uh, you know, where you come from keeps changing and you have this frozen in time um, memory and, and recollection of that. But, you know, yeah. your country back home, the culture there is, keeps evolving. So, you know, if you think about two rivers diverging, uh, uh, we, we kind of diverge. Uh, and, and no matter what time you arrive, you have differences and, you know, you start to have isolation from your parental culture. But obviously, when you come at a formative age, um, you know, in, uh, really early, it, it has a larger impact. So that's something that I always struggle with. And, and that kind of, you know, is a, a shadow of mine that I have to, I have to deal with. 
I mean, I will address something that Neha said, which is in terms of Eastern versus Western culture, which is this balance of my needs and my and society's needs. And Eastern culture has always valued society over individual, whereas Western culture has valued individual over society. Um, in terms of you know Sarogi and what the what I have always felt like is an important lesson for the kids, our kids. I tell I tell Sarogi, you know, live a life of service. You know, if you live for yourself, it will almost it's it's unhealthy in the longer run. Individuals who are self-focused, in my opinion, tend to have lots of problems because you'll never be fully satisfied. But if you live and you do and you live a life of service, you work for others, it, it really gives uh, uh, individuals life a mission. And, um, and, and that mission is highly motivating when you're helping someone else. So to me, the balance of us versus, you know, individual versus societal come, can, can be reconciled if we just kind of refocus that question into not about us versus society, me versus society, but really just focus the mission on, on uh, something that's not myself, something that's larger than me. Uh, and, and that helps a lot, in my opinion. I think you're touching on something that's really, really important, that's really needed, uh, which is how you balance, how you draw from your own experience and how you leverage your power, for lack of a better word, for the greater good. Because in the long run, that's how you build and create community. The more we get that to happen, I think the less we view the differences among us and the more we see what brings us together and mm -hmm. unifies us. And I think I've taken a similar approach with my kids. The way you put it is so smart and so brilliant, honestly, in terms of just thinking of service, thinking of others and thinking of something bigger than yourself. Speaking of, it's precisely why when we were interviewing Siroi, this kid has accomplished so much. She's already a leader in our community. She's impacting change across the state. And I think to, to be able to raise a child who becomes that, for someone like me with all of my credentials and accomplishments, I think is extraordinary. So here is a question for both of you, right? How do you do that? How did you get to this point? What's the recipe of you know, raising such a, a, a remarkable young woman uh, with the background that she has and given where we live now for those of you who may not be aware we are recording this in Maine and we are on Mount Desert Island and if you've seen the demographics of where we live in you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about so so back to both of you I mean how do you do that well you know I'm a scientist and I genetically engineer mice so <laughs> <laughs> the magic well, ingredient. <laughs> yes, both Neha and I had a, a, a radical geographic shift at a formative years in our lives. Suri had a geographic shift because she moved from, uh, she was very early in Chicago, uh, and then she went to a fairly homogenous area, up, uh, upper income area in Dallas. And then at a really formative, like around six years old, she came to Bar Harbor. I'll relate it back to what I just mentioned in terms of service. And, and what Sarohi sought out to do was to take care and have an impact in her immediate surrounding in, in that same altruistic, taking care of the community. 
And what happened was that the community yeah. reciprocated and took care of her. her. Yeah. And really, she's a product of this yin and yang relationship that happened on Mount Desert Island. And I think she would have been a different and hopefully just a great, but slightly different product if she would have been in Dallas or if she would have been in Chicago. She is truly, and in all kids and not just her, you know, when you set out and your mission is to do something for others, others will do something yeah. for you. And that relationship forms in that's what you're experiencing with Surahi. I completely agree with that. I remember we moved here. Suruhi had just started in fifth grade. December 6th was her first day in school. In the middle of that crazy 2014 winter when there was like six feet of snow everywhere, she comes home from school. And this was before I started work. And she goes, you know, mommy, I love it here. And I'm like, really? Why? And she goes, well, two reasons. First was even the boys are nice. <laughs> and the second part was, this is the term she used, my mind is blossoming here. I mean, I, I, I personally did not enjoy my time as much in terms of social interaction in Texas. I had very unhappy and pleasant experiences, several of them. And um, I, I could see those shaping Sirohi in a way we did not want her to be that way. So when we moved here, even though this community is very homogenous, it is open, it is welcoming. I, I used to tell Sarohi, I grew up in a very small town and when I was visiting here, that is what it reminded me of, like people looking out, like, you know, your kids are out there playing and you don't have to worry about them because you know that somebody is looking after your kids. And that helped her confidence level. That helped her become more comfortable in who she was naturally. And the community, the teachers, the family, friends, and, and people around us, encouraged her to be who she was, not to be somebody to fit in, but, you know, play to your strength and they help bring those strengths out. And I think the kids are nice. The kids were very supportive, all her friends. Uh, I, I don't think we did a whole lot. I think the community did do. Yeah, and, and I, would, I would say that one of the keys to uh, that, from our my experience and our experience, is really parents need to get the F out of the way. <laughs> Like, seriously, and this is, um, you know, this is is something we, like, this is, I would, Texas taught us this, and Suri went to her first away camp at, like, seven, or no, six years years old, she was six years old, and she went to her first away camp, and she was away for two weeks, and, uh, you know, we kept sending her away, and and it was so hard, as immigrant parents, the sooner, I would say, you cut that cord, the better your kids are going to be for that. You are listening to Downey's Diversity. I'm Aline Siston, your host, and our guests today are Dr. Vivek Kumar and his lovely wife, Niha Kumar. Together, they are parents of Siroi Kumar, a previous guest on our show. I'm glad they're here today to offer a parent's perspective. And it's so hard to do, but it's so important to do. Yeah. So she started to come on her own as soon as we kind of got out of the okay. way. I mean, that's not to say we're not there when she needs and, and we're not, you know. We are, like the, we are like the guardrails on the road. We won't let her steer off, but we are letting her do the yeah, job. And, and she may very well disagree on the, and the width of that guardrail <laughs> and things like that. But that's the way, you know, that's been our kind of underlying philosophy also is that we need to just kind of get out of the way. It's not easy to do. It's very hard because, you know, you're a parent. This is your child. All you want is good things for them, not to get them hurt. I remember the first time she went away, we were two weeks. We did not know what to do with ourselves. (laughs) But 
every year after that we have done that and i mean i think all of those experiences plus you know where you live mm-hmm. the, the values of the society you live in all those made a difference i think we can give you a little bit of credit to that because the foundation of who she is is basically what you built in her we hoped that we've laid the right foundation so when we are letting go and staying off we're hoping that everything we've taught them will hopefully guide them as we continue to guide them and i so i think the other piece to this that i struggle with personally and and like you vivek i think for me i do struggle with where i belong and we've resorted to this word that we used to reference ourselves and by we i mean me and a few other friends within the bipoc community we call ourselves hybrids because <laughs> right now we kind of don't belong there we don't belong here we're somewhere yeah. in the middle but we feel like even where we're in the middle we are still of value and uh, we we are contributing so i think back to to both of you you all are members of our wonderful community and you alluded to it when we were talking about Sroy and how the community embraced and gave her the opportunities to thrive we really are lucky for where we live i think people have these misconceptions of what maine really is and who mainers are for me i think my experience has been that they're more curious to a certain extent than they are racist that's not to say that we don't contend with racism here and there but that's been my experience i wonder what your experience has been well my experience has been very pleasant in maine that being said i don't go very many places i mean i just stay on the island most of the time and I, or i go to bangor there were a couple of times when a couple of things happened but that's expected um uh, you know the the environment in the country has changed over the last 6 7 years very drastically but all in all um i i like my community i'm actually i was i was telling vivek um you know before people would ask me where is home i would say california because that's where <laughs> i lived first when we got here yeah. and that is very soon i mean i think i'm very close to changing that answer to maine because you know i i feel very much at home here i i i feel like i belong i feel like I don't have to put on a mask before I go outside. I have to put on a mask. It's covid time, but not that other mask of being somebody else because people won't get me. And people here are nice enough where if they don't understand something I'm telling them, they ask me to explain it. And so they're not scared of the new and they are willing to learn. So that I think has what what has made a huge difference in my experience on the island. So. Absolutely. Your thoughts, Vivek? I grew up in Memphis, which uh, the city itself is majority uh, majority African American. Uh, I, when I first came here, I went to uh, elementary school where you know it was ninety nine percent African American, um, and only two people that were not African American were my brother and I, and we were considered white because in the Memphis city school system at that time there was only two check boxes black and white so and if you're not black you're automatically white um so that's you know and, and i you know that was my elementary school that's my fifth grade uh 6th grade education so i you know i went from from there to different neighborhoods so, so i've experienced kind of this race issue to the point where i didn't know even what it was when yeah. i first came here to become like hyper aware of it and i would say mount desert island down east maine is one of the most accepting communities that i've experienced people are incredibly aware that they are very welcoming 
It's a great place to live. It's a great place to raise your kids. There's so much intellect here that it's just an amazing environment. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, I have uh, postdocs and students that come and have kids and, you know, and, and, and I'm saying this with lots of experience, having lived, you know, in four corners here, almost four corners, uh, you couldn't find a better place to, to raise a family. Yeah. Uh, and, and I love it here. What inspires you, motivates you, and excites you the most about being in Maine? I think the park. I love the park. <laughs> I, love, I love the Baxter Woods and the Baxter State Park. I like uh, Acadia National Park. I, um, I love the fact that we don't have to worry about allergies here. I mean, the water is so clean. The air is clean. The winters are beautiful. The sun comes out, even though it comes out only for like a few hours. <laughs> it still comes out. The snow is pretty. I, I love everything about it. I mean, the only thing I don't like is how difficult it is to fly from here to somewhere. <laughs> That's a very minor thing. If you don't travel every week, then it doesn't really count. Yeah, I... Um... For me, it's uh, again like I'm lucky because I, I my work is something that you know it's also my hobby. I, I love the process of doing science, the process of discovery, and and so I, I kind of focus in on my work, and that that's kind of uh, salvation for me. And I try and you know again uh, come back to what we started with this idea of uh, working for a larger uh, uh, issue, a, a larger, you know, uh, goal that's not around me. And, and the process of discovery, doing science, trying to have an impact on something as devastating as substance use disorder. You know, I just, whenever things get bad, I just say, hey, my job is not to look after myself. It's really to kind of look after this larger thing. And then that perspective uh, of just kind of zooming back and kind of looking at the big picture uh, you know, at least for me, that seems to put me in the right state of mind. You know, one thing we could use more of is more ethnic food. Yes. I mean, uh, <laughs> if we could, if you could convince a few more, like you know, uh, folks who are good cooks to move to Mount Desert, <laughs> open up some restaurants and grocery store, maybe like a diverse grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> that would be lovely. It will save me the long trips to Portland yeah. and Boston yeah. for and what Boston, I need yeah. the supplies for sure. <laughs> There's one issue that comes up a lot within the BIPOC community, which is how racism impacts mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it became even more apparent, I think, post George Floyd, not because we were recognizing it as something that's happening, but recognizing as something that's been happening, but no one was paying attention to, and now everyone wants to pay attention to it. And mm -hmm. so I just wanted to hear from you, and I know we are all not experts, maybe to a certain extent you are, Vivek, but if you could speak to that a little bit about you know, what your experiences have been with um, the subject of mental health and racism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is, um, it takes a toll on you, even when there are people aren't overtly being racist, just because we are not, I mean, I am not white. I wasn't born here. I came from a different place. I, I, I came where with different beliefs, with different values, right? Just to reconcile wh wh who I was and who I have become 
it's a constant struggle inside. I'm going to give you a very simple example. Okay. Um, this, this, I still sometimes struggle with this. It's been 20 years, but um, Indian women, we are supposed to cook for our family. That's our one very sacred duty. You do not not cook for your family. Vivek grew up here. He's fairly like, you know, it doesn't matter. You don't want to cook. Let's go out. We'll eat out or, you know, we'll make something. And, but to me, for me to say that I don't want to cook today, it, we've been married 20 years. Now I can say that. And then after that, I'll maybe like feel bad for a few minutes instead of feeling bad for days that I did not cook. So it's, 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 it, racism is that way. It's not like it, it takes practice to identify it too, because sometimes you don't even realize it. And it takes constant effort for me not to put myself in that situation where I will be discriminated against. So I try to assimilate as much as I can. I try to become like the person next door. I may not look like them, but they should not feel like, oh, she smells different. She eats different. I dress like them. I, I behave like them just so I can assimilate. But that is not who I really am. It's the real me is, is under layers. And, and doing that takes toll. It's, it's a constant effort. It's realizing you were holding your breath after a long time when you let it go. It's just, I still haven't let go because I don't know if I can let go. And not that people have been mean to me or racist to me, it's just one of those things that I, as immigrant have to do to assimilate, to not have to answer questions uh, about every single thing, every single time. It's part of the evolution of who we become, but as we evolve, it doesn't take away the experiences that we've had and, and some of what we struggle with to how you both stay so positive, so motivated when so much around us can be really discouraging. So if you can speak to that too, that would be lovely. Because I have a science background and, and I work a lot on uh, emotional genetics of emotion and how that can lead to kind of substance abuse. Uh, I will say that being different now I'll just leave it at that, being different leads to chronic stress. It does not necessarily, you know, uh, lead to like flight or flight reaction, but it's kind of, you're always, you're never in neutral. You're always in, in kind of a slightly elevated heightened state. Yeah, I love talking to both of you. I like the way you reminded me of, of three important things. One, that we are all human and we are vulnerable and that we should be kind to ourselves and recognizing those moments and being true and honest to those moments. Um, you've also reminded me that think of others and are in service to others. The other thing that I, I, I love about our conversation today is knowing that there's another set of parents that are struggling with a teenager, you know, allow them to grow and be themselves and, and just trusting the process and yeah. trusting the foundation that you've laid down for them. For those who want to know more about what Vivek does and the impact he's having in our community and in the state of Maine and across the world, right. uh, you can check out his TED talk, TED yeah. Maine. Uh, it's archived there. It's on YouTube. Uh, right. I wanted to say thank you, Lynn, for, for uh, letting us share our experience um, and for, for giving Sirohi that opportunity as well. Thank you just for being who you are. Women like us, women like you, when they stand up and speak, kids see that and they learn that they can speak. So 
Absolutely. And honestly, we're doing this for us and for future generations of the BIPOC yeah. community. I think uh, the Main Justice Foundation recognizes that. We thank them for supporting us and recognizing that it's important that we are a part of the storytelling. When people talk about Maine and who Mainers are and who, who, are, who is making contributions to Maine culture, that that story is complete. A huge thank you to all of you, our listeners, for tuning in today. A special thanks to Healthy Acadia, Criterion, the Main Justice Foundation, and our radio host, WERU. Learn more about our next episode by visiting our website, downeastdiversity.com. I'm Aline Siston, your host. Until next time, Asanteni. Thank you.